What's up, Playboys? Our sad boys, sad boys and girls. Tough weekend for the crew. This is the CNB Sports Show. I'm your host, Braylon Brakefield. Along with me is another sad boy, Cole Epchitz. Cole, what's up, bro? Man, it's a sad boy Sunday. Um, I mean, there's no no beating around the bush. It's, uh, you know, I don't want to say the season's over, but vibes are uh, very mid right now. Very medium vibes, very low low to medium vibes. Um, you know, just uh, just an embarrassing, um, embarrassing showing by the tide last night. But hey. Yeah, it is what it is, I guess. Got to move on. Uh, Actually, you know, to me, the season is over. And a season is also beginning. It's basketball season. College basketball season. It's all anyone's talking about now. It's all anyone's worried about. Now, Auburn's been in that boat for a couple weeks now. But now, Bama fans can join the boat and... You know, just be worried about getting some buckets. Quit worrying about winning football games because football is overrated anyways. Nobody even really cares. Yeah, it's um, definitely overrated, uh, especially when you have um, a dirtbag like Bill O'Brien affiliated with your team. You know, that's when you know you're taking it too serious um, because you never really had a shot anyways. Um, You know, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to – basketball season i think alabama's gonna be pretty good this year i'm not i'll be honest i don't really know i mean i i kind of just go into basketball season blind every year and just with a blank slate ready to go i know uh nate Oates is an absolute dog and uh we're gonna have, you know at least be competitive which is cool you know to be a football school and um yeah i'm excited for it yeah i think you're ranked around like the 20th area somewhere around in there i think we're 20th exactly so i'll take it respectable and alabama's doing something i like in the beginning of their schedule playing a lot of local teams a lot of in-state teams which i like to see like i it's easier on your guys less travel and i don't know i just like to see that like i like to see auburn play in uab in basketball and you know i think y'all play troy or y'all play south alabama and Jacksonville, Jacksonville State, so playing two smaller you know, in-house I wish, schools. Yeah, I always wish when I went to Stillman. Uh, also, give it, gotta give a shout out, Stillman College. I wish because um, Stillman always had a good basketball team, and I always wanted them to play each other. Uh, you know, like exhibition, you know, because we're NAIA or whatever. But I always thought that would have been cool because um, Stillman was good. I mean, or Stillman's always good at basketball. They always make the uh, like the NAI tournament, um, it's kind of the same format. You know, you go through your conference tournament, then it's like a, uh, you have your conference winners go, and then it's like at large. Uh, so it's still the same format as the NCAA, but um, they they're super good. Um, so I always wanted to uh, see them play each other. I always thought that would have been cool. But yeah, I think it is cool, kind of playing local teams, especially in, in sports like basketball and and baseball and softball. Um, you know, especially when, because I remember whenever, like when we were in high school, whenever uh, Jacksonville was hosting Alabama or Auburn, we would go, or Sanford was hosting Alabama or Auburn, we would go. Um, and it's just cool to see, you know, 
instead of traveling to Tuscaloosa, they come or to Auburn, they come, you know, closer and play. And it's cool for the the fans of the team that they're playing and the fans of Alabama and Auburn. So I think it's good for the programs. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like you might have ties to a UAB or a Jackson State or or Jacksonville State or Troy or something like that. Like if you went to school there, but at the end of the day, you're an Auburn or an Alabama Alabama fan. So to get to see yeah. some of those, one of those schools, you know, come and play like y'all are playing at at South Alabama. That's a lot of people that live down south that may not ever really get to see Alabama play in person very much. Get they get the chance. Probably a packed out house fight. I guess we saw that it holds ten thousand, so probably won't take much to fill that thing up. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, well, you know, I guess we should talk uh, talk about the elephant in the room. Um, I kind of want to get some things off off my chest just about Alabama in general. Um, you know, I think that we uh, I think we played hard, and you know, we played to the end. But at at the same time, I think we played. It, it's pretty embarrassing when former players are on Twitter talking about you know how undisciplined we are, and especially on defense, and. You know, I mean, they obviously know what they're talking about. I mean, they uh, have been there and done that, and they're playing it at a higher level. And, you know, when you see guys on Twitter talking about just kind of how bad we are and how it's embarrassing, I, you know, it really kind of brings the vibe down around the program. And, um, you know, I think it says a lot about coaching. You know, even from the coordinators up to Nick Saban, I think Nick Saban's allowed too much um, – to kind of go on like too much mediocrity to go on and uh maybe is kind of lightened up and i think it's time for him to bring the hammer down maybe kind of get these coordinators out of there and get some new guys in give somebody else a chance yeah and i, I think it's something you got to start thinking about like how many times like does Saban want to rebuild again with new coordinators and keep installing stuff because obviously the two coordinators you got right now they've got to go like they're they're not the answer, and that's really been his – that's been Saban's – he's better at getting recruits and getting great coordinators. He's better at that than anybody in the country. We saw it when Dabo kept his guys, you know, he kept Venables for forever, and that helped him so much. It's something you have to have. You got to get in the, mm-hmm. the talent, and you have to keep coordinators who, you don't know, the way things are ran because – uh, the head coach can only do so much. There's, what, 70 guys on a team. Like, you're probably playing 40 or something guys consistently. So, there's just there's too much for one guy to handle. you got to have, you know, an, a great offense coordinator, a great defense coordinator that can control, you know, about 30% of everything going on. And the Alabama team is yeah. very undisciplined. I don't know who to blame for that. But at the end of the day, Alabama's still a good team. The problem is – since Saban's got there, you've been used to being a great team. Like it's okay to yep. it's okay to lose two road SEC games in a year. That's it is tough to win those games. Like I think it says more yeah for sure about Alabama to go into LSU. LSU is underrated. You know Daniels is way better than he's getting his credit for because they lost first game of the year and everybody just kind of quit talking about him. Losing to LSU at home is okay. Losing to you know, Texas A&M on the road is okay. Losing to Tennessee, especially this year on the road, it's fine. Like, the problem is your expectations are so high to where it's Super Bowl 
or bust every single year. It's the same thing. Like, And I can say this because as a Yankees fan, the Yankees finished second in the American League this year, and everybody says they choked in the playoffs. They lost to the team that won the whole thing, and they and everyone says they choked. Like yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee's going to be in the mix for the playoffs. LSU is going to be probably the first team left out of the playoffs, and that's going to be your two losses. And that's still a really good year. Yeah, when I was um, you know sitting in the shower last night with all my clothes on, just kind of thinking about uh, the game, kind of replaying everything in my head. You know, it it really kind of brought me back down to earth thinking about how you know nothing is forever and we it took you know two of the most intimidating environments for us to drop these two games by um a total of four points uh in you know at you know three at um tennessee at tennessee and then one at lsu so and you know we it's been over a decade for both uh, both venues for us to lose there. So that's kind of where I'm like you know I you know I can keep my sanity a little bit. I know it's tough to win at those places, um, and then for us to do it that long while I mean LSU has been up. I mean they've won a national championship, you know during that run. Like that's now you know Tennessee's been down. So I mean you know. Take that with, you know, I still think it's a tough place to play. It doesn't matter what kind of product they're putting on the field. But, you know, Tennessee's been, I mean, LSU's been really good uh, during Saban's, you know, reign. And we've gone down there and taken business this long. But, you know, what what gets me kind of upset is we have two of, probably two of the best players Alabama will ever have at one time. And we can't figure it out for them to like all the other players around him. Like Bryce Young is probably the best quarterback that Alabama will ever have to not win a championship. And he's probably going to be one of the, well, he technically won a championship with, you know, as a freshman. As a backup. Um, you know, as a starter, he's probably going to be one of the best quarterbacks ever, honestly. I, I, I don't, I know he's small. He might not have a good NFL career, but as a college quarterback, he's one of the best ever for Alabama and um it honestly is just tough because we kind of we failed him and we never could kind of get him the right pieces around him or stayed healthy last year if we stay healthy last year I think we beat Georgia again but um you know it just kind of I just kind of hate it for him you know you could tell he was he was pretty upset walking off the field um you know I'm sure he, he probably feels pretty bad but you know it's not really I don't think it's his fault at all I don't think it's Will Anderson's fault um, I do talking about the coordinators though. I do want to bring this up. Will Anderson has a quote. Uh, he said, "I think the biggest. Uh, I think the biggest is that we need to get rid of all the individual stuff and make a team effort. Uh, make sure that everybody has two feet in and make sure they keep Alabama football the main thing while we're still here and think about the future." Um, you know, personally, when I read that, I feel like that's a low key shot at maybe. Bill O'Brien and, and Pete Golding, who are probably gonna, who are probably during the bye week traveling to interview and things like that. Um, it could also be about players, you know, wanting to transfer. Or, you know, I don't think anybody would be thinking about going to the draft. We still, we're, we before the before yesterday, we um, controlled our destiny. So I don't think it's anything like that. But I, you know, that's just an interesting quote uh, from Will Anderson. You know, that makes me think. You know. 
something's going on on the inside with with some of our players and coaches. So that's something that's very unsettling uh, when I read that. Yeah, or it could be, uh, you know, this is the first time Alabama's been in this situation in a long time to where the rest of your games really don't matter. Like, you're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, if you made the playoffs, it would be by miracle. You know, something crazy would have to happen with the teams ahead of you. But it's the first time Alabama's been in that spot. I think it's been since, like, 2010, since the Iron Bowl, you know, won't be deciding for Alabama if they're going to the playoffs or not or playing the national championship. So some guys may just give up, and you could get beat by, you know, everybody else the rest of the way, and that's probably what Will's trying to – keep from happening just try to keep everybody you know go out on top at least try to get nine or ten wins and you know have something to hang your hat on yeah it's been uh we have a streak of 15 years in a row uh that we've had 10 plus wins so i think that would still be a big goal uh, for the dudes who actually care about you know care about themselves as a competitor um so I think I think that's probably the goal from here on out. You know, win, take care of business against Ole Miss and and Austin P and Auburn and win the bowl game. But you know, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just weird being in this uh, in this situation. Um, it's very sad, uh, very disappointing. But you know, it is what it is. Makes you enjoy the good times even more. So um, just gotta just, roll with it. Just soak it in. It, it honestly, as from an outsider's perspective, it feels like the like it's just coming to an end. Like this run has been crazy, you know, one of the greatest we've ever seen, and it just feels like this is the downhill. Because I don't think Alabama was that great last year either. Like you think about no, some of the games no, they had. I, I said last year that that was the worst team since 07, and I think this year is probably even worse. Worse. When I thought we were going to be so much better, um, but we had two dudes that were NFL wide receivers, and this year we don't have a single NFL wide receiver. Um, so you know, I, I I think this it's crazy to say, but I think this year is even worse when I thought we were going to be, you know, a dominating force this year, which is just crazy to think about. But yeah, so two of the worst teams since '07. Um, but I still think we're just a, we're a we're a good good coordinator away. Um, from being back for at least a couple more years, uh, I just you know I'm sure I'm sure Pete Golding is probably one of the longer uh, tenured coordinators in the Al- you know in Saban's era at Alabama. So I think it's time for him to leave the rehab and get going on his way. And the same thing with Bill O'Brien. I don't know who we bring in. I'm sure. We have dudes on staff that are probably better than them. I don't, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's how it always ends up. But you know, I, a lot of people want to coach with Saban, so I'm not. I think we're. I still think we're just one coordinator away, and um, maybe a, a refresh, kind of get get the the Bama factor Bama factor going again. Um, you know, one good off season away from being back. So yeah, um, but yeah, that, that's really that's really all I got to say about about Alabama. Um, so yeah we had uh georgia kind of separate themselves away from the pack saturday yeah. i mean the tennessee got it a little closer scoring late touchdowns but that game was never was never in doubt like tennessee's kicked a field goal i think was the first score of the 
game, and then Georgia went on like twenty-eight to three run or something, and they're just they're such a mismatch. I've been saying it. Their tight end threats are they're unguardable at the college level. They don't make linebackers fast enough to cover the guys like that in. You know, the only place you see that is the NFL. You know, most NFL teams have one guy that's big enough and fast enough to keep up with a elite tight end. And even then, you see elite tight ends give people problems all the time in the NFL. It's just such mm-hmm. a weird – it's a weird position. Like, it's almost an offensive lineman catching passes. Yeah, I mean, you got to have, you know, a big – the only way you can do it in college is a big safety. That's how Alabama did it last year. Um, that's, a, that's the only way. That's – you can't have a linebacker cover Brock Bowers. You can't. No. I mean, he's just too fast. He runs a, he runs a four 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 five. I don't know a linebacker that's doing that in college, um, unless they're just a smaller guy. Uh, so yeah, I think that their their matchup is really good for, you know, kind of how college football is going. They're like the big bad bullies um, in a way uh that you would expect from a top tier sec team you know like they just are bigger and better than you and they're going to enforce their will on you um it kind of went how my gut was telling me to go my brain was telling me uh that tennessee might actually be them dudes but my gut was telling me that georgia will put them in their place with scheme and uh just overall athletic ability um hendon hooker did kind of look pretty normal uh hendon hooker yesterday overthrowing dudes couldn't get it on target i know it was raining in the second half but there was a lot of balls that he missed in the first half too that would have kind of evened up the game if he if he can connect but he was just you know it's just tough when when they're bringing four dudes and they're dropping seven what do you do you know it's um you gotta be you know pretty jacked up when you got some dude in your face i mean i couldn't imagine the adrenaline that's pumping through your veins you know in that moment so i'm sure you know, a quarterback would probably a, a quarterback who's been in that situation would tell us like, yeah, it's a lot harder than it looks. You know, hitting that open guy running down the sideline um, when you got dudes running in your face. So, uh, but yeah, I think you know Stetson Bennett is still probably one of the more cringier, annoying players ever uh, behind Russell Wilson. Um, you know, I, I hope he enjoys his time uh, before he has to become a uh, real estate agent um, or insurance guy. So, you know, live it up, young fella. If he's a two-time champion and he stays in Athens, Georgia, he'll be the greatest car salesman in the history of Georgia. Like he'll own the every greatest. lot. Probably he'll own every lot in the state. He, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think either one of those guys have NFL careers. Like, honestly, Hendon Hooker, even though, you know, he's got a chance to win the Heisman, which... The Heisman is in shambles now. But anyways, Tennessee Tennessee benefited from having six of their first eight games at home. And the way their offense yep. is, is it's fast-paced, you know, no huddle. They're getting the call from the sidelines and just trying to keep your defense, you know, confused and not giving your defense time to adjust. And that's impossible to do on the road in a hostile environment. And you saw how many penalties they would have, delay games and false starts and stuff like that, just because... The crowd's against you, and the crowd is trying to be as loud as possible to keep you from communicating anything, and that uh, Mm -hmm. kept Tennessee from getting comfortable and, you know, ruined their whole game plan. And really, that's what they've done all year, and it's worked. But you can't get in a groove on the road like that, especially not when you start down 
you know, like I said, they scored their first drive. And then when Georgia answers, then it's like, all right, now you have to fight back against this crowd. I think the only way you're going to win there is if you jump out on Georgia quick. Or you got to yeah, I mean, start many huddling up. Seen it? Yeah. How many times have we seen it where Georgia will go up 10 and then it's just over? Yeah, game's once, over. Once they get separation, it's over. I mean, you're not getting any kind of rhythm um, at all. I mean, I, I've seen you. It's like every time they play, that's how it goes. And, uh, you know, it, it just is what it is. I think, you know, going back to the Heisman, though, um, Auburn fans will like this one. I think, I think the dark horse right now, if you're a bet man, you got to take Bo Nix. I don't see why you don't. Dude's had 11 touchdowns in two weeks, and he's done it in every way he possibly can besides a pick six. I mean, he's caught one, he's ran them in, he's thrown them. Um, He's better looking now. He, he cleared up his acne. Whatever he had going on, it's done. I'm sure it's probably the air up there with all those trees, all those evergreen trees. You know, it's probably a little bit cleaner and nicer. Um, you know, it's not as humid. Well, Auburn had some nice um, trees at one point. Yeah. Well, I don't know what happened to those. Um, just bad timing probably. But, um, you know. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know what to say uh, about that, but yeah. So, um, you know, that spike forty nine or whatever, I'd probably, probably outlaw that. You know, in city limits maybe, but you know, I, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, so yeah, Bo Nix probably, probably should win the Heisman this year. I don't know who else would. Maybe, um, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. That kind of threw me off um, thinking about those trees. You know what I mean? <laughs> My just, bad. Uh, you're good. Oh no, I was wondering if um, they rolled them last night because Alabama lost. Isn't that no. how it works? I know that's what how y'all feel and how you think, but it's not how all of us are. I don't care if Alabama. Oh man, the loses. way the way Twitter looks. That's the way. That's how that's how it looks sometimes. A lot of Auburn fans will be chiming in, and not just you guys, not just you and uh, Chandler. It's a lot of national, uh, regional Auburn pages will be chiming in on Al- Alabama L's, and it's uh, just peculiar. Which I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything either time Alabama lost this year. Did I? I mean, we could probably pull it up. I feel like I've defended Alabama. Over both losses. I mean, I no, no, you have, I, and I do appreciate that. But you know, I'm not maybe necessarily saying you, but there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of hate from Auburn fans out there, and then Auburn fans will be they'll hit like that that like why y'all why y'all coming back at us? You know, uh, I see that a lot on on Facebook and Twitter. You know, I hate it when Alabama loses names or nothing because. When Alabama loses, you have two sides of the spectrum, and they're the most annoying people in the world. You have the Auburn side of fans who are claiming a win when Alabama loses, and it's like, shut up. Like, your team is awful right now. You have There's no room to talk. And who cares if Alabama loses? If you're an Auburn fan, why would you care if Alabama loses to Tennessee or LSU? That doesn't, that doesn't benefit you at all. And right. then the other side is Alabama fans who are – all, they are awful when they lose. Like Alabama fans are just horrible, pathetic people when they're winning. But when they lose, 
oh, the entire world is after them. Like, they're blaming every ref. I bet money they've Googled every ref's address. They're blaming oh, yeah. all the coordinators, I, well, I have which is fair. I ref's address before the, before the season for this instance, you know. <laughs> um, I'm ready to. I'm ready to um, send hate mail and stuff like that. You know, make some dirty voice <clears throat> voicemail calls. Um, you know, and that dude. I will. I do want to call out that dude that was keeping our coach from getting off the field. Uh, that drunk guy. You know, if you really want to, if you want to fight somebody, you know, you can come see me. Uh, I can pull that Mark Ingram. That <laughs> Big Mark trust. Ingram tape, you know, you can come pull up see at the me. bank. I was outside out the bank. Pull up at the bank. We like that. Like, you know, come come out come out from come out from that from them parishes. Come up up to these county country. See what's up. And uh, I'm sure you'll be a lot more humble. You know that that. Oh, don't worry. I'm just Cajun. Act. Uh, you know that that don't work anywhere outside of LA, you know Louisiana. Okay, so you know, come see me at Brian Denny next year. Let's see what's good. Um, but other than that, yeah. No, I'm with you. I, 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 you know, and at times I am that annoying Alabama fan that wants every call, and I feel like you know if you don't want every call, then what are you doing for your fandom? Like, why even be a fan? You know, I'm pulling for my team. I want my team to get all the calls. I want my team to get bailed out by the refs, by the other team. I want them to just fumble it up and throw it up, and that's what I want. And you know, if you don't like that, you know, I'm, I'm not sorry. But I, I do I can I can get with some you know some people take it a little bit too far, you know, actually you know actually sending hate mail and such to refs so you know I don't know but it is what it is I guess I don't know people are gonna be who they are in poison trees and whatnot and it's all the pictures like there's the picture where he scores in overtime of the LSU guy with his hands on Alabama players back. And it's a one still photo. And in that photo, he has his hands on the guy's back. If you were refing a game off of still photos, that's an obvious blocking in the back. If you watch that play, actually watch the game and don't just sit there until the game's over. When old buddy turns his back to him, when he's going to block him and old buddy turns turns away from him and it's just perfect timing, that still still picture looks a lot worse than what it really was. I mean, you know, did I get a noise complaint about that call specifically? Yes. And I still am going to stand that was a block in the back. Also, though, you know, probably shouldn't have made it that far. So, um, you know, I would have liked to get that call. I feel like, um, you know, I hate to beat this guy, but I feel like Alabama doesn't get away with something like that. We get called. I feel like every time, you know, every kind of pick play we try to run gets called, you know. LSU plays, runs the exact same play. Clemson runs, no calls either time. You know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I do. But in that that one call, I, I would say I would like to get that that block in the back call. But, you know, there was also some calls that went our way, uh, like that, like the illegal touching or whatever, or the dead ball with Latu's foot out of bounds. You know, that was a very lucky call as well. So, you know, I don't know. Um, Even the tip pass – First, that was one of the more strange things I've ever seen in my life. That was weird. I think when you go back and watch the replay, I think it hit his finger. The weird part is, it's like it didn't hit his finger hard enough to 
changed the trajectory of the ball. The ball kept spinning just like normal. And usually if it's deflected, the yeah. ball will alter a touch, and it didn't. But I do feel like his finger got bent back. First off, that's impossible to call real time. Second off, how did Brian Kelly see that? And then yeah. you, can, I don't think you can overturn that just because of what you called real time. And then, like that is that was a crazy play. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that one. The first time I watched it, I did. I thought I saw the finger go back, and then they showed it and they slowed it down even more. And the more I watched it, I the more I didn't see the finger go back. Oh, and like the ball didn't change. Like it was so weird. I still think um, the uh, wide receiver was still just getting molested. So, you know, I, I mean, I don't know if they changed the call to like holding or something. I don't think that's a thing. But you know, I think the there was there should have been a penalty either way. So I mean, you know what I mean? Like it kind of bounced its way out. But yeah, like how does Brian Kelly see that from the sideline? Because there's no way that ball's getting you know that ball's getting thrown. I don't even know what I mean like 50 miles an hour and that dude is standing three you know three yards away and he tips it there's no way you see that uh I mean I I I how do you see it you only the only way you know if you tipped it or not is if you felt it like there because the ball didn't even change right change at all so but yeah I know we did we I mean we got some lucky calls that's why you know whatever like we should have I think I'm I'm that kind of guy that I think that we shouldn't have even been in that situation kind of guy. Like, there's a lot of things that we could have taken care of. You know, if you're controlling what you can control, um, you know, you're not even in that situation. So um, that's just kind of how I, I like to think about it. Kind of keeps me grounded. You know, we, you know, we learned that from the great um, Coach Hoyle. Uh, you know, control what we can control. And that's kind of how I go about my fandom as well, uh, even though I do want some calls sometimes. The uh, Auburn game, you know, I, like I said, I've checked out weeks ago. As soon as the as soon as soon the SEC championship or the national title isn't in contention, it's just kind of like the season's just a wash. Like, who really cares? And uh, that happened pretty quickly for Auburn this year. And I am very happy for Cadillac. I don't think he should – be the next head coach. I don't think he's got that in his bag, but I think he's somebody you have to keep around the Auburn program for as long as he's willing to stay. And judging by the way he is, like he bleeds Auburn. He is the definition of an Auburn guy. He is, you know, the first player that I remember watching, and he just he has to be around. Whoever is the next head coach, you have to keep Cadillac as your running backs coach or something. Just his energy. Is game changing. You can see that Auburn's offense looked competent for the first time this year, but I mm-hmm. still don't think he's the guy. I love him, but I don't think he's the guy. No, I yeah, no, I agree with you though. I think he should stick stick around. He's been, you know, an Auburn staple. Uh, you know, for the short short time I was in Auburn, he he read me Green Eggs and Ham uh, by Dr. Seuss um, when I was in elementary school. So. You know him, Ronnie Brown, and uh, and Jason Campbell are some dudes that I look up to, even though they played for the bad guys. Um, you know, so I I think that Cadillac Williams is a cool guy, and I think he should be kept around. I don't I don't he doesn't hurt your program at all. He's all about Auburn. He's going to be on Auburn's side. You know, he's going to be about winning. Um, I think he's a good dude to have around. I think it's cool, you know, to to you know kind of break that. Um, you know, he's the first. 
Um, you know, black head coach. I think that's cool too at Auburn. I think that's a big, uh, you know, a big move for them. Um, but he just seems like a stand-up. He just seems like a stand-up guy too. He's the kind of guy you want around your program, anyways. Just even if he wasn't an Auburn guy, like he's the kind of guy you would want. Yeah, you know, I think he's more of a players guy, anyways, which is always good. You always want a guy that's about the players and and getting them to be you know good good people and not just good football players. So. I think I think he'd be good. Um, you know, I think one day he maybe he does have that shot, and that's why he'd probably keep him around because that would be just the ultimate like, you know, Auburn move, um, like a good move for Auburn, not like a Auburn. You know, you know what I mean. Um, I yeah. think it would be a good move for Auburn. Yeah, the uh, I think we we hit the nail on the head warning everyone with the rat line, Clemson and Notre Dame. Seeing Clemson was only three and a half point favorites, basically threw up a red flag of, hey, Notre Dame's going to win this game. We talked about it a little. I don't think we went very much in detail, but that was that game wasn't ever even close. Uh, Michigan and Rutgers, that game got out of hand quick because I think it was 17 to 10 at halftime or 17 14, something like that. And the final was like 45 to 17. So that game went crazy. Ohio State was in a close game with Northwestern. They ended up winning by two touchdowns. So it was a crazy weekend. Like at one point, you know, you had the number one team, the number two team, the number four team, and the number whatever Alabama was, six, I think. All yeah. like on the verge of losing or losing. And yeah. I think TCU struggled for it a minute was, too. Uh... Yeah, I mean, they only won by 10 um, at home against Texas Tech. I don't think Texas Tech is any good. Um, but, I mean, the TCU just keep, you know, I, and I'll yeah. give it to them. Like, if you could go undefeated, uh, I mean, props to you. It doesn't matter if you won every game by one point. Like, that's still impressive. I don't think they're – I still don't think they're very good. I don't think Michigan's very good. But, you know, if you're doing what it takes, then you're doing what it takes. And, you know, I don't think anybody should be able to, you know, take that from you. Yeah, when you think about how we've talked about uh, matchups a good bit here recently, when you think about matchups, like Michigan's offensive line is so good that they can kind of bully teams with bad defensive lines and just impose their will on them. But when you match up with a team with a mm-hmm. very good defensive line like Georgia has – Georgia will Georgia would beat Michigan by forty or so. Yeah, just because they're a better version not, of what they you're are. You're not going to be able to do. Yeah, you're not going to be able to do much against Georgia's defense, anyways. I mean, you're just going to have to play sound football and not give them anything. You have to bore them to death, pretty much. Um, and then you have to create turnovers. You have to make Stetson Bennett put Stetson Bennett in bad situations, which is tough to do. I mean, it's it's a hard thing to do. Hardly anybody has ever been able to do it. Um, but it is possible. But that being said, nobody from the Big Twelve is putting Stetson Bennett in bad. Is giving him issues. Nobody, nobody. from the Big Twelve. Nobody from um, the Pac Twelve. Nobody from the ACC. Nobody. You know there might be only a few teams from the SEC. Only a f- only a few even have um, a chance. And I don't even know if this year if there's any. To be honest, um, Missouri gave him issues, but I think that was more so of a. Uh, Asleep at the wheel. I hate to use that excuse. You know, you should be, you should go into every SEC game, uh, you know, tuned up. I guess, but what you know, whatever. Um, 
I, you know, they still kind of, they still did what it takes to win. So I still can't knock them. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's what it comes down to. And, you know, seeing kind of how Alabama has not done what it needs to do to win games on the road. And if you can win any game on the road in the SEC, you did what it, you did what it took. And that's all that matters. So at, at this point, I don't think there's a single team on the planet that can give Georgia any, uh, like put them in any kind of bind unless they just come in just dead just flat yeah which is possible but it also could be possible that they just fell asleep at the wheel for two weeks and now they have revamped and you know they're getting rolling at the perfect time because when you only got to win what three four six more games you win the whole yep. thing so who, i mean they're half over halfway schedule? there is uh auburn still they haven't played auburn yet right? they've already beat auburn I always thought that was at the end of the year. It's like towards the like right in the middle. Because remember, you had the under, and they scored like forty in the fourth quarter. That's right. Oh yeah, I was livid. That's right. Yeah, you were mad at about it for like two weeks. You're bashing Kirby Smart for running the score up. <laughs> yeah, because he thought that his team wasn't good enough, and uh, he had to show out for the for the voters. And you know, looking back now, it even looks even dumber because you didn't even have to do all that. You could have just made everybody happy with the under and not paid attention to Vegas, but you know, you just decided not to. Let's see, I'm trying to pull up their schedule, see who they got left. I know they got Georgia Tech. Yeah, but who cares? Um, That's a blowout. That is a blowout. Probably East teams, uh, if I had to guess. At, at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, and then Georgia Tech at home. Yeah, those are three wins. Yep, yep, yep. The uh, we read the Texas line perfect too, and a lower ranked team on the road as a favorite. You got to take that. That's uh, they're basically just gifting you those wins. And you got to take them any chance you get. The Astros win the World Series. Uh, the Phillies with a with a great run by the Phillies, but just Astros are a wagon. They lost what two games in the whole playoffs even with Verlander being as bad as he is they still win the whole thing easily it's crazy the talent that they have especially young talent too yeah I mean they're they're just the the dudes that uh they just know what it takes to win it and they do exactly that they know how to execute how to win it they I mean I feel like they play for the World Series every year um and I think that you know if you're still saying that um, they're cheat, they're still cheating, or it doesn't anything they ever do now is tarnished because they cheated one time. I don't think I think you're a loser if you have that kind of mentality. Like these dudes go out there and they whoop you from the first pitch to the last pitch, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, they're just good. They bring up they bring up a rookie shortstop and he wins the World Series MVP. Um, the dude, that dude is an absolute freak. Um, like, I can't believe that they even offered Carlos Correa a contract with that dude in, uh, you know, in the minors, uh, behind him. So he's better. Just that alone is crazy. Like their pitching staff is just ridiculous. Um, they're healthy this year too. So that helps a bunch. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. I mean, one of the best trades of all time. 
for him. I mean, they're just good, man. They're just they're just good. They're well ran. They have dudes that I mean, they don't like my biggest thing. Like in the in the postseason and really just throughout the season, teams who strike out the least are gonna like are gonna be good. And they don't like the Astros refuse to strike out. I think they have one dude, you know, that probably strikes out more than he should. And it's Jordan, but like he's also a home run threat every time the bat leaves his shoulder. Um, so I, he's I you a know, top. Kyle, Kyle Tucker is an, is another dude that is just like busted onto the scene and is just taking names. Like it dude just hits. I mean, he just shows up, hits, plays defense, and I mean they're good, man. Yeah, you can't blame the current guys. Like Dusty Baker had nothing to do with the cheating scandal. Pena had nothing to do with the cheating scandal. You know, it the really the only guy left to blame is Altuve and other than that, it's all like new guys. Like Bregman's still there and I think Kyle Tucker was there at the time, but you can't hate they Bregman. They were super young. They yeah, were, like, Bregman was so Bregman was a rookie. I think Kyle Tucker came up the next year and started playing. So like I I mean, they have nothing to do with it at all. Um you know, Verlander was there, but it didn't even involve him. Like, I, you know, if you're still hating on him for cheating, like, you're, it's just, it's totally different dudes. Yeah. Verlander's a guy that doesn't get enough hate for just how bad he is in the playoffs. Uh, but, yeah. I'm happy for Dusty Baker. You know, Trey Mancini winning it. That's huge. A guy who that's was cool. battling cancer last season. And now he's on a, you know, has a World Series ring. They're, they're a very solid group. Like, they just they do things the right way. They lost the best shortstop in baseball and replaced him with a better one from their farm system. Like, nobody else in the yeah. game can do that. No. No, it's crazy. And I, I'm a, I've always been a big Bregman fan, even when he was at LSU. I like Bregman because uh, he's, he's a smaller guy, plays infield. Um and you know, I kind of could relate to him on that on that side. So he's, you know, he's probably my top two or three favorite players uh, in the league. Um, so I, I'm really happy for him. I think he's a cool guy. I think he's a stand-up dude, uh, and he's and he's just really good at his job too. So that that helps. He has to be one of the most clutch players in baseball. Like throughout the entire Yankee series, it was like. Every time they came up, every time there was an an at bat that could change the game, Bregman was up, and he was doing it, like hitting a home run yep. or a double or something. Even even against the Yankees, he like he hit one double, or it was gonna be a double. It was a ball in the gap, and Judge just happened to make a great play to stop it. It's like every time he comes up, he's hitting the ball in the gap or he's hitting it out of there, and he is just he's perfected. Yeah. There's something weird going on in Houston with that left field line to where the the Houston guys have figured out how to hit it out there. Yeah. A lot of other guys, you see a lot of other guys like Stanton hit a pop-up there towards left field that got 200 feet, and then Bregman comes up and hits the ball half as hard as Stanton did, and it's bouncing off the freaking train tracks. So it's like yeah. I don't know I don't know how they've learned, how they've figured that out, but – it's like they just hit it up into a wind tunnel and it just carries it out of there. There was one, there's two two at bats that I remember from the World Series that just had me like, what? And it was that from Bregman. 
and one of them was he was caught super out front by off-speed pitch. I mean, it looked like he in-caps it, and he's just way like way out front, way on his front foot, and he hits it off the wall for a double. And you're just like, uh, is that even legal? How does that even work? How do you even have enough bat speed to put it out that far? Like, I mean, it was still, you know, it's still like a 350-foot shot off the wall, yeah. off that big wall. Like, I, I don't, I don't even understand how that works. And you know, he's mostly known as a pool hitter. I want to say it was Game Five. Maybe, yeah, either game four or game five is at Philly late in the game. And I, I don't remember the scenario for sure, but it was a super clutch double. And they're all everybody's kind of shifted over to the left. And he just shoots a ball like over the first baseman to right field just out of nowhere and hits a double. And I want to say he cleared the bases or something, gave him the lead. And you're just like, how does he do that? I mean, this dude, like, because the, in the bigs, like, you know, they they like perfect their swing so well that like they're they're gonna do they probably have a couple of things that they do like they're gonna hit you know they're gonna pull it or hit it up the middle like you, you don't really see anybody that sprays it like that you know mid at bat and I guess he just he just made his mind up like I'm gonna inside out and whatever happens happens I've been cutting the plate in half and he just went that way which is just I mean that's just a pro move that's so tough at that level. Um, it's just crazy. I mean, just watching him hit is just, um, as a baseball swinging nerd, like, that's just, it's just awesome. It's about as good as it gets. Which I guess, this. so this was uh, well-deserved for them. You know, honestly, when it's all said and done, this Astros core is going to end up being one of the greatest postseason, you know, they might own every postseason stat that there is. They just rotate pitchers yep. in that you've never even heard of, and they're elite. Their bullpen always, you know, is great, and yeah, I'm sick and tired of them. I'm ready for all of them to retire. <laughs> I'm ready for the Yankees to win one. I'm sick and tired of watching the Astros and everyone else have a turn. Yeah, I think them moving uh, to the American League, League is one of the most impactful moves um, in baseball ever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly what year that was. I want to say, like, 20, it was like a weird like it was later than I thought it was it was like 11 or 12 maybe and um, just I mean just have dominated you know it took them a couple years I guess and then just have dominated ever since like 2016 I think or 2015 they started making the playoffs and just started imposing their will so it's crazy I don't really know what else what else has happened Um, this last time we recorded, I don't think anything really. I don't know, man. There's really nothing that I can think of. I'm still just, you know, I'm still uh, lacking energy. Um, you know, I just feel like the the vibe has been stolen from the room. I got to get my mojo back, um, like Austin Powers. Uh, the uh, Houston SMU game, 140 points scored. I think it was like 77 Most to 63. Ever, right? Yeah. That is ridiculous. 77. You score 63 and you lose. By two touchdowns. I'm That's fighting, insane. Uh, I'm fighting somebody. D coordinator, I don't know. I'm fighting somebody. Somebody's getting punched. Yeah, you're just begging somebody to make a tackle. 
They would have had to score every drive. Yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Also, another uh, video that's crazy about people scoring is IMG, I guess last week, scored like 90 points in the in the, in the first half first of half. the game. They just canceled it. Um, I mean, I don't even know. That, that clip of that was crazy. I mean, the center, somebody is fighting the center. The center missed like 20 snaps, and that's how they scored all of their touchdowns was off of like missed snaps. Like just... You know, there's no way the quarterback had any chance, which is crazy. I mean, at some point you got to figure it out. You know, um, yeah, that was that was pretty wild. And IMG is just always so good too. Like you just see their dudes. I don't even know. I don't really keep up. You know, there's no reason to keep up with the high school team that much. But I mean, their running backs and wide receivers have to be going somewhere big every year. Yeah, they are like a. I guess that's kind smaller of smaller college. So, I don't know. I'm looking forward. Um, I don't know when they play Bishop Sycamore, but I'm looking forward to that rematch. That's for sure. <laughs> well, uh, keep y'all's heads up this week. It'll be okay. Your football team losing isn't the end of the world. Um, Appreciate that. They'll, they'll get a win eventually. Just keep keep hanging in there. It ain't that deep. Joke about it. Have fun with each other. I don't know. I think it is deep for Bill O'Brien. I think he needs to go ahead and get out before, uh, you know, I catch him. I catch him in the tunnel again, <laughs> like Michigan. But yeah, I, Michigan State. Other than that, yeah, it'll be just like that. Just like that. Me and about twenty of my boys just pulling up. What's good? <laughs> Put another dimple in his chin. Um, yeah, no, that's all I got, man. It's. Uh, you know, another another sad boy Sunday, but you know we're all right, man. These sessions are, are therapeutic for me. Uh, I feel I feel better about myself. Basketball's right here. Um, I don't know what the commander score is, but they're they're given a competitive run at one of the best quarterbacks in his his time slot, uh, Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, whenever I stop watching, so I don't know what it is now. Uh, but yeah, now we're good. Everything's good. Hockey season is in full swing, so. We're good. We're going to, you know, we live to see another day. It's not the end of the world. Yep. Well, that's all I got. So, that's all I got. Everybody, let's, let's attack on Monday. Let's have a good week. Love you guys.